Hello, friends. Austin here. As some of you know, we launched an Indiegogo campaign for my next short film, Spider. It's a fun creature feature, and I couldn't be more excited. I am the writer-director on this, dipping into my own arachnophobia for it, and I have a wonderful team joining me. It stars Spencer Madison, who's been killing it in the indie horror world with films like Wolf Hollow, Phantom Fun World, and The Demons Within. The spider effects are being built and puppeted by B-movie horror props, and they seriously look so cool. Amazing singer-songwriter and friend of the podcast Josie Palmer is writing the music, and I... I'm just over the moon. I'm so excited for this short, and you can help. We are in the home stretch. Three days left, and we are so close to reaching our goal. If you haven't contributed or shared yet, now is the time. I want to take the time to shout out everyone who's contributed in this campaign's last week. So thank you so much to Debbie Torres. Thank you, Mama. Eddie Bleda Vineyard. Annalisa Petersmark. Laura Carner. Andrew Hara. Hannah Cordy, Jennifer Master, Anderson Bouchane and Emily Oja, Kyle Hansen, and Drew McWilliams. Thank you all so much for contributing to my creepy crawly nightmare. Now it's time for my conversation with Violet Silhouette. Please note, this episode was recorded before the SAG-AFRA strike, so there are films made by struck companies that are mentioned in this episode. I stand in support of the unions, and these films would not be possible without the hard work of the writers and the actors, as well as the rest of the crew members who who are undoubtedly affected by this strike. Hoping that this strike ends soon with a deal that benefits everyone, but most importantly, the artists who are directly affected by this. Thank you. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. You are all my children now. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Woody Die Podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I'm joined by goth post-wave band, my friends at Violet Silhouette. Please welcome Dan and Zai. Hello. Hello. Welcome, welcome. I got to say real quick, that was really funny. He threw up the peace signs, and I'm, I'm like, oh, this is audio only. This is, this is, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, cool. Good to know. <laughs> Yeah, it's a podcast. It's a podcast it's for your ears, or maybe if you read it, some transcription service. Uh, I just thought that was funny. <laughs> Welcome. I'm excited to have you guys on. Before we start talking about the horror a little bit, how long have you guys been a band together? I think we started in 2019. I think we played yep. our first show October of 2019, um, which was a great time to really start ramping a band up. <laughs> But it gave us plenty of time to work on our uh, on our first EP and get that recorded and out. Yeah, we, we started playing shows like again during the pandemic. We're from Florida, so things opened up relatively early compared to a lot of other places. Um, so there were some some good opportunities for shows and like some bands started touring through. Like who did we play with? We played with Vision Video and Wingtips and Kareen and a couple other bands during that time. Cool. Um, for those listening who are hearing you guys for the first time, how would you describe Violet Silhouette? Mm, that's a good one. Hard, lush. Yeah, yeah. Like 
I like that too. (laughs) It's hard. It's something you listen to, you know, towards the end of Twilight, not the movie, the the time of day. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, there can't be any sun. The sun has to be gone. There can still be light out. The sun has to be like in process of setting. So post, uh, post sunset. Yeah. Gotcha. You know, from, from golden hour on. I think you can start listening to us at golden hour and then keep it going until till it's, it's uh I, I like to call it uh eclipse music N- not the movie not the movie right jeez like, <laughs> <laughs> we're really bad in a thousand with horror titles already i had to follow it up with that twilight <laughs> so it's good during a new moon right yeah. oh dang and it happens you know again. What? we were actually we had this idea that we were only going to release our songs when it was a new moon which we thought was kind of I mean, it sounded cool at the time. I don't know. I might have been a little stoned, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's just. Well, like... it was quarantine time that we were, you know, making that stuff. So <laughs> we were, there were probably some other things and like, yeah, oh, that <laughs> influenced uh, tracking astrological uh, movement, uh, the movement of celestial bodies with our releases and stuff. And yeah, I mean, we could have a whole podcast about that if we really wanted to. But yeah, a little fun fact. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, before I think of ways to put more Twilight movie titles, force them into this conversation. When did you guys first got, get into the horror genre? I'd always, my dad was big into horror movies. So I grew up with him like renting horror videos and him watching them on TV. And um, I think the only one he wouldn't let me watch was Pumpkinhead because that's the one that scared him. Oh. He's like, he's like no, that's too scary. He's like, you can't watch that one. That's Whatever. a wild yeah. one to singularly ban. <laughs> My father's an interesting man. <laughs> I think for me, what got me into horror as a genre was kind of having the upbringing that I did. One side being, you know, the the Catholics and then the other side being, you know, the kind of the religions and, and spiritualities that exist on in Cuba. And there's a lot of, you know, the sort of, it's knowingly admitted, you know, things like spirits and demons and demonic possession and so forth. And so like when The Exorcist came out, you know, that was like, well, I wasn't around when it came out, obviously. I'm much, <laughs> much younger. But um, still, I mean, it was a movie you, that I caught on to and I was like, holy shit. And then I think that developed into my interest into folk horror. Okay. I got to say, I grew up, when I was growing up, I went to Catholic school. So I'm very, I was very into that Catholic world. That was my upbringing. Altar boy, everything. The, those are like, those demon movies are the ones that scare me the most. That, those are yeah. the ones that keep me up at night. Because, <laughs> you know, like they, they put too much of it. There was too much like in your psyche already. Like I you, think so, like, yeah. You too much. You're like, oh shit, there's real, con- there could be a real consequence behind this, guys. <laughs> And like you mentioned, The Exorcist, that's the movie that scares me the most. Yeah, it still scares the shit out of me. Yeah. Yeah, it's still a fucking scary movie. So far, I haven't covered it on this podcast. And now that I said that someone's going to pick it, I'm really like, oh, man, now I have to rewatch The Exorcist. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a Um, a great movie. Yeah, it's still one where I'm like, it's I can recognize it's great. But I can't say it's one of my favorites because I'm too scared to rewatch it. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, like 
that reminds me of like, you know, and like you talk about like Catholicism and, you know, like mm -hmm. having that still, because I grew up, I was raised Catholic also, so we all clearly have something in common. But do you ever see uh, Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight? Not Demon Knight. I've seen a few episodes yeah, it of was the, the, the show. The Crypt uh, movie. It was like yeah. the first, first full-length movie. And that's, that's, that's wild. That's a great time. You definitely have to watch it. I will for sure. One horror film that dealt in Catholicism that I love and loved growing up. I don't know why. I always thought it was scary, but now I just, I don't know what's about it where I don't think it's, maybe I've seen it too many times, but The Omen. Oh yeah. The I did Omen. it all for you, Damien. Yeah. All That's a wild movie. <laughs> Who was that? Was that Gregory? That was Gregory Peck, right? Yeah, my boy. Yeah. That's that's probably why why I can watch The Omen now is because I love Gregory Peck. So whenever I start to get too scared, Gregory Peck comes on screen and I feel okay again. I'm like, yeah, that's Atticus Finch. Everything's yeah. gonna be okay. And then it's not. It's one of the like most doom and gloom endings. Yeah, it doesn't movie. work out. <laughs> Spoiler alert. It doesn't work out. <laughs> And the music in that's amazing. Jerry Goldsmith's score for The Omen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one of my favorite fun facts is the song Avi Satani from The Omen mm -hmm. won an Oscar for Best Original Song. Oh, really? Oh, that's great. It's it's hard to imagine that song winning an Oscar or even being nominated for an Oscar today. But in the 70s, they're like, yeah, we'll give it to the Antichrist movie. It's cool. Gregory mm -hmm. Peck's in it. <laughs> it a, made it a classy film. It is. It is actually a really classy film. It's shot it very well. And I think it's great that Richard Donner went on to do Superman after mm -hmm. The Omen. <laughs> so you guys have been horror fans for a long time. Do you guys... Well, Zai, when we were setting this up, you picked folk horror. Dan, you picked 80s body horror. And... My crazy ass was just like, well, let's combine them. Let's do both. Why not? Zai, do you have a favorite scary movie? Damn. So I know hard. it's a hard one. <laughs> it's a hard question. No, I don't think I have a favorite movie. I just like, I, I'll have favorites, you know, over time, they'll kind of yeah. change. It changes around, but, and then I, and then I don't watch them for a long period of time and forget that they were even my favorite movie at one point. <laughs> let's see. The one that, um, that really was captivating for me, not just on like a horror level, but also on like uh, the way it was shot and the art direction of it was uh, Hagazusa, I believe is the way that you pronounce it. And it's like the witch mushrooms. This sounds amazing. I have not seen Hagazusa, but you best believe as soon as we're done recording this episode i'm putting that on my watch list i'm going to be watching it this weekend it sounds amazing yeah. i love the and i love the kind of um i love the kind of movies or like depictions of where like there was something so paranoid about uh say a population or a group of people that you could just see the psychological you know like yeah strain on everyone basically like is are is this stuff real you know the supernatural or does our paranoia collectively you know, collectively combine and become this shared hallucination that a, a, a village or a culture sees. Yeah. No, I love that. I definitely need to check this film out. Dan, favorite scary movie? Same question. <laughs> favorite scary movie? There, there's a couple that go through my head, but I think for, for this conversation, I'm going to say maybe Event Horizon. Ooh. Because um, I like that. I, 
I was I was pretty young when I saw it, and it definitely it definitely. I mean, number one, it's well shot. The, the cast is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, that scene where Sam Neill comes back and like he his eyes are like dug out, and you realize he's like dug out his own eyes from what he's seen on like the other side. And I guess they had a whole like hellscape like visual that they had shot, but it was it would have given the film like an NC seventeen rating, so they had to drop it, which is a fun fact. But yeah, that one stuck with me because it's you know it's sci fi. It's you know it starts out kind of you know, mystery lost in space. And then everybody like starts to lose their minds and everybody kind of like confronts their own like worst fears and horrors and things like that. Yeah. Yeah, Both excellent picks. Oh, we have have good taste. Did you say yours? Did we ask yours? No, I can say mine. Mine is alien. Mm. Nice. I'm a, I'm a big fan of, sci-fi horror cosmic horror but i just love monster movies monster movies are my favorite Mm -hmm. and i don't think it gets as far as monster movies go i don't think it gets much scarier than alien aliens but well because you have that you have that creepiness factor you have that the isolation like there's so much unknown and the way that they just i mean it's a pretty perfect movie from start to finish yeah and then, like, add in a little fear of, like, you know, I th- I think as humans, we have, like, it's pretty common to have that creepy crawly, like. Yeah, the face hugger. But yeah, like, that, mm-hmm. like, fear of bugs. Some, you know, when you're really, like, if you're really wired, I don't know if this happens to everyone, but, you know, when you're, like, really wired and you're, like, feeling shit crawl on you, no? Yeah. No, yeah. I know that feeling. Or, like. Creeps. You get the creeps. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I hate that feeling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> my, my one of my favorite scenes in Alien is, yeah. and it's one of the cool, one of the coolest things, you know, kind of knowing like the budget and like you know all the practical effects that they use and everything. I forget what scene, what, who the actor is in the foreground. It might be Sigourney Weaver, or it might be one of the other characters about to fucking get killed. But they're looking for the alien and they're looking around and then you realize you've been looking at this person for like 20 seconds and then the background moves and that the the alien was just like in the yeah like hiding in the was the whole time like all curled up and it just like gets up and that was just one of the and it's just super cool to, to see and it's freaky as hell. It's so freaky and it's a movie that stays freaky and like creepy with mm-hmm. for me with every re- I don't think it's scary anymore I've, I've seen it way too many times to be scared of yeah. it but there's still like a creepy feeling when you watch alien at least that i mm-hmm. found it's such a good movie it i think is. i think alien goes more hand in hand with the event horizon than it does hagazusa but to be fair i haven't seen hagazusa or else i'd be uh trying to connect alien to that as much as possible <laughs> <laughs> you never know sorry i'm trying to light a candle I know oh, you're good. Video. I know we're audio <laughs> only, but in case you're the, wondering what I'm doing in the background. The general public now knows. They weren't going to know, but now they do. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to create um, a room here. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're trying to bring you here in here with us. Yeah. Uh well, I'm a hat out. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um once once I made a, a connection between Alien and Rosemary's Baby, and I think Ooh. that was probably one of my better, one of my prouder film student moments was uh, 
pairing those two together in a unhinged double feature. <laughs> a great double feature. Those are both great movies, but uh, I don't think that's one that most people think of off the top of their head. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. It just clicked, guys. I know yeah. how we're going to combine folk horror movies with 80s body horror. I'm ready. We're going to try. We're gonna, It's going to be like a game. We're going to try and come up with double features with one folk movie and pair it with the 80s body horror. Ooh, okay. All right. I think that sounds like fun. Yeah, okay. So first folk movie I want to tackle is, which I think is probably one of the, the the gold standard of folk horror movies, The Wicker Man. Mm. Mm. Original recipe or Nicolas Cage? Look, guys, I love Nicolas Cage, but that ain't the one. <laughs> Not his fault. He he understood the assignment and he did it. He did his part, but that movie ain't his fault. <laughs> but I wonder what we could pair The Wicker Man. That's a really good movie. Although the last time I tried to watch it, I made the mistake of watching it with my grandma and she was not into it. And um... I could tell she wasn't. So I was like, I'll put something else on. And I think I put on Christine. <laughs> Christopher Lee was in Wicker Man, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's uh the mayor? Yeah. Yeah, because or... he's he leads a song. Yeah. Well, not the mayor, but yeah. The what is what's a very British word? Like uh, the Lord or something? Like a Lord, yeah. He was like Lord Summer Summer, Summer. Lord Summer Isle. Lord Summer Isle. That's a nice name. Yeah. That's a good movie. What can we pair with the because that one has a gut punch of an ending for sure yeah let's see so if we have that let's see it ends it ends in in futility let's see what else ends in futility videodrome ends in futility i don't know man that's a that's a hard match to make let's see we can do that we can do this because like the whole time um our lead character in the wicker man i forget his name but like the cop he's he's basically like repulsed by I almost called them Islanders. I don't think that's the right the right I, term. I, I, but they're I, on an I, island. Isle. They're on an isle. Yeah. Islanders. Islanders. <laughs> I'm I'm still gonna call them Islanders. But yeah, the whole time he's kind of like repulsed by them and not approving because he he himself is a devout Christian mm-hmm. and his closed mindedness kind of results in him uh being sacrificed. We can. Oh, I oh. know how we're gonna do this. Yes. Have you guys ever seen a? Fe- I think it's called a field guide to evil. A field guide to evil. Yeah, yeah. I think it's called a field guide to evil. That sounds. I'm look this funny. up because I don't think I've seen this. Uh, it came out a few years ago, 2018. Yep, yep. It's a uh, um kind of like an anthology of different little mini movies that were made by like different directors and of a a kind of like all over the world. Yeah. Right. All over the world. And um, they have lots of folk horror in there, but they also have like modern 80s. I think they make a tribute to all kinds of like Mm -hmm. styles, but it's so well done. I mean, some of the the movies in there are awesome. I think all of them are. In fact, I have my favorites. This this is awesome. Yeah. Cause I have it. I have it up right now. I just looked it up. So I'm watching Hagazusa. I'm watching The Field Guide to Evil. 
we're getting bangers of recommendations, guys. I'm so happy. Is it kind of like a VHS kind of thing where it's like okay, multiple like stories and like like it's one movie, but there's just like they're multiple stories, right? But yeah, right, so. right. One is actually done as a VHS, like POV oh, kind yeah. of thing, but others are done, yeah, like I said, with a, a different styles and and stuff. Interesting. This is awesome because I, I've been telling people. I'm trying to get more into uh, international cinema because that's the big blind spot for me. I've seen a lot of like, I'm pretty up to date on newer horror movies. I've seen most of the classics. I've been doing good about seeking out indie independent horror films, but I'm like, my big blind spot are films from all over the world. Mm. Yeah. So it's definitely European looking at all these names. (laughs) Yeah. well, I have it pulled up on um, on Wikipedia, and it's saying that the stories and filmmakers come from Austria, Turkey, Poland, the U.S., Greece, India, Germany, and Hungary. So that's uh, crossing off a bunch of countries on my list in one go. <laughs> no, right? I mean, that movie must have been like quite the undertaking, right? Like, oh yeah, for sure. Unless they did like multiple direct, you know, like. They use a different director for like each short and then somebody like kind of pulls it all together. Right. Yeah. There's a bunch of different directors on here. I'm not going to try and pronounce their names because I have no. Or it could be insulting to your audience. Yeah. Everyone listening, you got to look up uh, The Field Guide to Evil. I'm going to blindly recommend it, even though I haven't seen it, just because we need to culture ourselves. I'm going to watch this double feature with uh, Hagazuza. And we'll see what happens. But those are my re- recommendations. I'm I'm sure, Zai, you're going to come up with more bangers for us. <laughs> uh, yeah, if I can access them anytime I'm trying to remember something sometimes. <laughs> it, it's, no not, it's not cool when that happens on stage with your own songs. <laughs> oh, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes um, with uh, our song Anyway It Cracks, which is what we did a video for, um, that was on our last release, uh, semi-permanent derealization. Uh, we did a video for it, and then when we get to like the back half of the second verse, I don't know what happens, but we'll both sing the same wrong line like together. Like it doesn't go, I'm singing the right line, he's singing the wrong line, or vice versa. We either both sing it correctly or we both sing it wrong, and there's like zero. There's like nothing cueing us that that's what's happening. It's it's really some like Bermuda Triangle shit when that part of the song comes in for us and mm-hmm. we're supposed to remember this one lyric and not get it confused with the second line of that say verse or whatever. We just I don't it's know what like happens. It's, <laughs> we're we're in, we're instructed by the scientists story. are buckled. <laughs> 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 We are technically <laughs> on one of the bottom corners of the Bermuda Triangle, though, where we live. So, you know. Oh, Florida is a very weird place, man. Um, weird place. Yeah, Florida uh, definitely has some horrible shit in it. Just <laughs> yeah. the things that you could see in Florida. I believe you guys. <laughs> I'm, I myself am a, a Michigander, so I'm in the Detroit area mm-hmm. and uh, very far from Florida, at least in the U.S., while still being in the U.S. <laughs> That's okay. I think you're probably better off. Or if I say um, everybody goes as far away from you as possible. I think I got a double feature for you guys. Okay. All right. What if we combined The Lighthouse 
with John Carpenter's The Thing. Ooh, okay. Let's see how that works. We're working with themes of isolation. Mm-hmm. And paranoia, because uh, all the guys and, and just like dudes being dudes, like there's a lot of testosterone in these movies. <laughs> dudes being dudes. Yeah. I love that. I mean, the thing's amazing. I actually saw it. They ran it in a theater down here. Um, like, I don't know, maybe like a year or so ago. And I went, I went to go see it on the big screen, which was pretty exciting. Oh, last year, uh, last year it had its 40th anniversary. Hmm. Maybe that's, maybe that's why they were doing it. Yeah. Cause I, I saw uh, my mom and I, and then some of our friends saw it. Because cool people go to horror movies with their mom. Cool moms go to horror movies with their kids. Exactly. But yeah, The Thing is awesome. And that was really cool to see on the big screen. Did I see The Lighthouse in theaters? No, I missed it. But I bought it on Blu-ray as soon as it came out. And I was like, damn, I wish I didn't miss this in theaters. I know, right? (laughs) That would have been such like an immersive experience. Like just stark black and white with basically the deterioration of sanity as we know it (laughs) yeah i think that film's brilliant although i do have to say i i think it was a good thing i missed it in theaters because i don't think i would have liked it had i seen it in theaters because i could not understand what they were saying the subtitles were a godsend yeah Yeah. They they went heavy but, and it oh was basically God. them the whole movie, you know, like, yeah, it was just basically two characters, you know, and somehow they just kept you in. Yeah. And like, I mean, Robert Pattinson and Willem Dafoe, that's an iconic duo. Willem Dafoe's monologue in the middle of the movie where he's cursing Robert Pattinson because he didn't like his cooking. Oh, yeah. I think that's my favorite part of the whole film. It's so great and intense. And I just... love that part where they like uh, they have this moment where they start dancing with each other. Yeah, and then they go from that and having like this really raw like moment of intimacy, right? And then they like get to the edge of just like embrace, and then they're like start fighting each other, and it's just <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, it's. I think it. I think that's a brilliant film. I do think it's a really good pairing with with the thing, because like these guys really kind of lose their minds, like all of them, every single Mm -hmm. dude in these two films. (laughs) They're in such a pressure. They're in such a pressure cooker. I think the the fact that like nobody can leave, like there's nowhere for you to go. And in both of them die, basically. Yeah. And in both of them, like all these dudes can't let their. Uh, they can't work together because they all have to be in charge. Mm-hmm. They got to assert their dominance. And I think they're both uh, really clever films that uh, are good for analyzing masculinity for better or for worse. <laughs> and these films, I think, yeah. for worse. <laughs> it's probably why I love that scene that I, that I mentioned was because yeah. you see men just like have this raw intimate moment and then just go into spiraling down into violence and it's just like how they shot it it's just so great and then like in black and white right like in that in that duality i guess you know i i've i've seen that moment in real life once this is this is a wild story but a couple years ago 
me and my friend were hanging out at our local um, bar. It was during March Madness. That's an important part of the story because the University of Michigan was playing against some other team. My friend and I, we both went to Michigan State, so we don't care at all. But there were a lot of Michigan fans in this bar. We were just trying to hang out, but whatever. It's cool. Uh, makes sense. But anyways, Michigan wins on a buzzer beater, which is exciting if you like basketball. And these two dudes that were both wearing like the blue and yellow, they started like cheering and hugging on each other. And then all of a sudden they bit both like went on the floor and they were punching each other. And my friend and I just looked at each other and we're like, what the hell just happened? They were just celebrating. And all of a sudden they're just like wrestling on the floor. <laughs> yeah, they're they're they were enraptured in the moment. It's all those all those high, all that adrenaline shooting through your body, all the excitement. Now I'm just now I just think I saw the lighthouse in real life. <laughs> you did. Well, now when you see that scene, you're like, you know, it's always fun when you can like draw a comparison. I mean, I don't know if we're talking horror, how fun it can actually be if you're actually witnessing something <laughs> that you can relate to in a horror movie. <laughs> but it's uh, color to your next watch. That's for sure. Like, yeah. oh, I, know, I know what dudes look like when they do that. I know where this is going to go. <laughs> So the next double feature, this one might be a little bit of a stretch. No, I lied. It was going to be a big stretch. I don't think it works. But I was going to say The Witch and put that with The Evil Dead. Oh, see, I would put The Witch with Hellraiser. I think I like that better. Just again, coming from that earlier, <laughs> tying in our earlier Catholic conversation. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, you have like your religious paranoia. Let's see. Well, because well, I was thinking, well, the witch is, well, the evil dead's in the cabin in the woods, and then the witch is basically a cabin yeah. in the woods. <laughs> but no, I think you're right. I think Hellraiser is a much better fit with the witch than the evil dead. I don't know. Now you have me on the cabin thing. I think that might work, too. But again, like you said, the religious of, paranoia. Religious paranoia, we have these feelings of, you know, ice extreme isolation yeah there's yeah. this like temptation element in both of them um hellraiser mm -hmm. and um the witch right it's like you know you know you're not supposed to do this like what like how why does somebody go so far to you know do something like that in that case it's you know the 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 puzzle box in, in hellraiser like you know what it did like this guy's clamoring all over the world for this box finally finds it and then within like 10 seconds gets eviscerated yeah you know and and just and being like constantly warned about something and then just like going for it anyway i don't know i think i think most of us would do that do that in our lives in some way anyway like don't don't smoke okay i won't i start smoking <laughs> Yeah, what is it about us humans that makes us just want to keep going? Like, <laughs> right. And like, I, I guess both of those, I, I think both of these films deal with people who push themselves to the extreme of something and then feel the need to push themselves even further. Like in The Witch, the, the family's so religious that the Puritans banish them out. Uh, 
Right. <laughs> you just, Which... you, know, bad. <laughs> you know you're hardcore, the Puritan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think both movies too really um explore the you know Freudian death drive. Yeah. Because mm. uh because in Hellraiser, Frank he seeks out the Cenobite box because found every pleasure known to man, but he's still looking for that extreme. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a really I think those are really interesting. Did you ever read the book? Parallel. Clive the... Barker's book? No. Yeah. Uh, I have not a, read it. The Hellbound Heart, I think, is, yeah. is, is short the novella that it's based off of. I always remember that. Because like, you know, where he comes back because like his blood was on the floor and then it starts mm-hmm. to to pour. And the book, it's because he he came on the floor. I always think that's a fun fact. I like to tell it is a fun fact. Yeah. So he before he got ripped to shreds, he yeah. got off. And then after that, that's when everything really went to hell, for lack of a better term. <laughs> but yeah, I and I always like that. I don't know. That just always sticks out to me because it's just number one, it's so weird. Like, why would you start there? And then you remember it's Clive Barker, so it kind of makes sense. And uh, <laughs> but yeah, and that's just always a, a weird fun fact to uh to tell all your friends at dinner. That's a perfect time, you know. If you're watching if you're watching it with your with your you know with your partner at home, you're uh you can say, hey, you know, in the book, he shot his load on the floor and that's how he came back. It's actually I think it would be a great icebreaker at like a corporate retreat or mm-hmm. a job interview. Yeah. Like, can you explain this gap on your resume? No, but I can explain this fun fact about Hellraiser. <laughs> the original. <laughs> I remember I had Hellraiser trading cards. I don't know. I don't know how on earth my parents let me have those. They were I didn't know they made Hellraiser trading cards. They were selling them in some tiny, tiny store in the mall. I had five dollars. Can I buy trading cards? <laughs> can? I was like, oh, cool, Hellraiser. And they were definitely, they were definitely a little on the. Uh, I don't know. I should not have been looking at those. At like, <laughs> I'm trying to think of more full horror. Does Midsummer count? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, you could say. yeah, because that's a very. I think that one's kind of like a spiritual descendant of the Wicker Man. Yeah. But what would that's we pair? That, I, that, that's anthropology horror, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, Midsummer is anthropology horror. You have, you, have the, you, know, you have the society that's lived with their traditions and their ways, and they do their sacrifices and all their crazy shit, you know, year after year after year after year, because they believe in legends that it actually affects their society you know and isn't that isn't that what folktale is yeah and i think it really brings into question like the you know the morality of you know the ethics of good or bad you know mm-hmm. like, but uh, yeah in midsummer is cool in that it's really like an anthropologist nightmare you know like, <laughs> you approach this thing with all this like reverence or openness and and yeah, anthropological observation only to get like <laughs> really sucked into it to such a degree where you're like, yeah, no, this is uh, this sucks or something. You know, yeah. <laughs> it's just like your your um, non-biased views on things tend to change depending on what side of the uh, ritual you're on, I guess. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I think Midsummer. what's interesting about that is the these kids who go on like this college trip essentially they're just there to get a good grade they could care i don't think they really care that much 
except for I think his name's Josh, the the one who's like super into. But everyone else, like Christian, the boyfriend. Oh God, he he's Josh's worst. idea. He's um, the worst fucking character in that whole movie. <laughs> like every decision that guy made is like the worst decision that you could make. And mostly but, because of his yeah. decisions was him being really shitty to like his girlfriend and his friends. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't yeah. so much that he was being shitty to like the people of the village, which eventually he was by because he's a fucking idiot. But just like, like I know people like that. And I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, no, they're just going to make it worse for everybody for no good reason. Not even yeah. a good reason for themselves. I think I have a pairing with it. It's it's a little bit of a stretch, but I think I can defend it. Okay. I think we pair Midsummer with uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly. Ooh, okay. They're both, and I'm approaching it from, like I said, the kids who go on this trip, I don't think they res- truly respect the the culture they're visiting i think they're just there for mm-hmm. a project for an a they could care less about the actual culture they're studying and more about the result from the study from their thesis so i think they go in there with arrogance i think they go in into the situation with the agenda and a lack of respect for the culture that they're about to witness and i think that mm-hmm. er- their arrogance gets the best of them and i think you could say the same thing about jeff goldblum's character in the fly mm, i think jeff goldblum's character in the fly and think that might be more yeah that's that's around the same thing because he's so he was so singularly focused right. I, think was, I think it was his hubris that was really what did him in because he was so convinced that things were ready and that he could move and that, but Hey, how do you know the, how do you know the fly's going to get in there? Just like, how do you know what these berries are going to do to you? But then in the same time, he's so excited by the results that he's much stronger, that he has these heightened senses that until it's too late, when he's like, oh, wait, this is affecting me poorly. Right. Just like the characters in Midsummer is like, oh, I think we done fucked up. Mm-hmm. They don't realize that until later. And then they're both kind of breakup movies. Yeah. And I mean, I think it worked out, you know, worked out better for the girl in Midsummer. You know, I think that it did for Gina Davis because she was pregnant at the end. Yeah. And if you ever saw The Fly 2, which nobody has to see The Fly 2, uh, <laughs> <laughs> that follows the adventures of their child because she uh, dies in childbirth at the beginning of that movie. Oh, that's a bummer. It is a bummer, um, but also they couldn't afford Gina Davis for the fly too. So makes sense. Yeah, because that was back. That was back in the day where sequels. Uh, sequels didn't. Nowadays, I feel like sequels get more money than the original in their budgets. Yeah. And then back in the day, sequels got um, less and less budgets. Mm-hmm. But I Same think it's interest- interesting that. In both The Fly and Midsummer, spoiler alert, both of the girls end up killing their boyfriends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gotta do it. So that that's uh that's the double feature angle, and I'm sticking to it. I like it. I, <laughs> I agree. I agree. And I think the listeners at home agree too. Yeah. They're like, you know what? You really pulled it together, man. <laughs> so we got the lighthouse and the thing, the wicker man, and did we pair the wicker man up with oh a field wait wicker man and no we didn't pair the wicker man up with anything wait i thought we did i, I think we were right going right to now. but then we didn't I think yeah we just it for a little bit <laughs> yeah well the wicker man could stay on its own as it as it should it should stand on its own it's a great film i mean yeah. these are all great films we're talking about yeah. 
But yeah, um, the recommendations for this episode is Hagazusa, The Field to Evil, or is it The Field Guide to the Evil? The Field Guide to Evil, yeah. Yeah, The Field Guide to Evil. The Wicker Man, if you haven't seen The Wicker Man, you don't need to see the 2006 remake. All you need to do is look up Nicolas Cage Bear Suit. Uh, chariots of fire mm-hmm. on youtube that's all you need from that film but definitely watch the original from 73 and then the double features were the lighthouse and the thing the witch and hellraiser and then midsummer and the fly Fly. i'm like i should know this we just talked about it <laughs> <laughs> all right i i like that i think that's uh i think, I think that's a good for people with diverse palettes yeah, we love our unhinged mashups and our uh, wild double features. <laughs> so yeah, you guys have a single coming out. We do. We just released. We just released one single. What was that two weeks ago? Was it no three? Maybe three. Maybe three. Maybe two. Maybe we've recently released a single. Yeah, that uh, we have a video for. Uh, on YouTube and it's streaming on all platforms and available on Bandcamp and the song Strange Wind we really like it it's a fun song to play it was a fun song to write then we have another single coming out July 21st um, I'll let you talk about that one Sai oh yeah that one is um kind of yeah it's different in um I think content than Strange Wind is this is this single was more still it's still hard lush I believe that uh, still hard lush, but swaths of color. And yeah, we're, we're, we're really big into some of the, you know, retro 80 sounds, but we're, we're also into other things that we mash up with it. And um, yeah, it's going to be slow, but heavy at the same time, not as in genre as, but as in feeling, you know, it takes you. And what's the, and what's the name of it? Hierda Demoniaca. Yes. See, that's why I had you say it. Cause I, uh, right. It <laughs> I means, pronounce uh, it very white. It means demonic weed <laughs> in Spanish. I- iconic. So yeah. everyone listening, that's going to come out in a few days from this episode's release. This episode should release July 19th. Perfect. So July so, yeah. 21st is right. the right new there. single. The other single, I'll have the links to that yeah, for sure. Strange Winds. Yeah, that's out. Strange okay. Winds, yeah. I have the um, links in the show notes to that. Guys should be very easy to find by everyone we we should <laughs> yeah we're mostly um we do most of our online activity on instagram so if you want to talk to us that's the place to go what is uh, the instagram handle violet silhouette official perfect so you guys heard it here i also have that in the show notes as well so violet silhouette will be very very easy to find as long as you can spell silhouette correctly because you know that's the challenge yeah is you want to make it too easy right right <laughs> it's gotta be a little bit of a challenge i get it yeah, yeah. we're doing um you know we're doing a run of shows in the fall and then we're releasing an album in the fall too so there's plenty of plenty of hijinks coming your way perfect i love this this was fun um normally i end the show by asking would you die if you met the topic. So usually it's like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees or the Xenomorph. And you know, the answer is no, you don't survive any of those people. People come up with ways. And I'm just like, not me. If Mikey, my mind was attacking me, I'd be dead so fast. But yeah, I don't... I get out of there in time. we talked I... about so much today. <laughs> <laughs> we did. Yeah. 
I don't know. Would you? I don't know. It's like what 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 desk do we pick? Because like I don't want to I don't want to pick the wicker man. That that no, might be. I don't want that one horrifying. At all. There's bees <laughs> and there's fire. Yeah. Yeah. No. No one's making it out of that. Let's and see. It's like, if I were to be like, would you guys survive the lighthouse? We'd survive. I think me and Zai would survive. <laughs> would you guys would be it. making music the whole time. Yeah, we would yeah. definitely go through it, but we I think we would survive the lighthouse. I love that. We no we've had some it. we've had some weekends, man. Uh <laughs> <laughs> very lighthouse-esque. We, yeah, we have had our we have had some weekends that um I'm just, I'm not saying those guys didn't have a party at the lighthouse, <laughs> but uh you know, me, me and Dan can definitely hang with them. If we it was us four, we, yeah. we'd we yeah, we'd hang with them. If it was you, you four, they would probably live too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Got, if we're in the lighthouse, everybody's getting through it. Yeah, that's it. Because you know what I think we'd do, dude. We we would turn that like that uh, siren entity thing that is also kind of like in, lives in the lighthouse. We'd mm-hmm. turn that into like a, you know, an object of worship and then just create yeah. like a rape culture around like the lighthouse and the light that it brings to us. And that's mm-hmm. it. You know, We've got culture. We can make it through anything. Oh. <laughs> I love <laughs> we, that. We have culture and a body of uh, mythos and lore. We could, apparently that's all humans need to make it through some shit, man. And, en- and enough supplies and, and fresh water to last us a few months. There you go. Yeah. No, don't get greedy with weather, it. Weather, weather any storm together. That's all. Oh, yeah, that's nice. That's a nice way to end the show. <laughs> all righty, I love that. So thank you guys so much for joining me. This has been an absolute pleasure. Yeah, thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Dan and Zai for joining me. Don't forget to check out their upcoming single in the next few days, and check out Violet Silhouette on Instagram. A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code WOULDYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. That goes for merch as well. Another reminder, if you like my show and want even more Would You Die goodness, feel free to sign up for my Patreon. Link is in the show notes. Don't forget, we are in the home stretch for our Spider short film Indiegogo campaign. It would mean the world to me if you checked it out, contributed, and shared with everyone you knew. It's only three more days, so please, please check it out at the very least. Due to the SAG, AFTRA, and the WGA strikes, I'm temporarily pausing the segment I Know What You Watched Last Week to show solidarity with the unions. It is imperative that they win this fight against the AMPTP, not only for their survival, but for the survival of filmmaking as an art. Some ways you can support is by educating yourself on to why these strikes are happening and to check out true independent cinema. We're horror fans, and there are so many indie horror movies that need our support. Now is the perfect time to give it. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. You can also follow me on TikTok at Would You Die Podcast. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend Josie Palmer. Next week, we are talking the iconic killer who just loves to play games. Until next time, I'm Austin Torres. Try not to die.